at both of this year's conferences, God spoke prophetically and very, very powerfully to me. And I was deeply impacted by what he said uh, to my own heart. This morning I prepared a message, or I was preparing a message on thanksgiving because I wanted us to give thanks to God because that's what tonight's about uh, for the conferences and all the rest of it. But before I really got to my message, God stirred my heart to change direction and to flow in with what He is saying, I believe, to us as a church today. So if you've got your Bibles, would you come with me to Revelation in chapter 14 to pick up our first passage of Scripture and uh, Revelation 14 and verse 14 we read, Then he looked, and behold, a white cloud, excuse me, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Now, many of you are going to recall a message, a wonderful message preached by Glenn Berteau, and he preached this message in both Auckland and in Christchurch. And he, he summarized the message with the, the words you'll remember. It's going to come on the screen for you. Say it with me. Here it comes. There. Man in the clouds, crown on his head, sickle in his hand. Say it again. Man in the clouds, Crown on his head, sickle in his hand. And so, you know, when he preached that message and I was finishing both the services, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God came upon me in a very strong way. And I was apprehended by God saying to me, Tark, you need to know I've got a sickle in my hand and I'm about to reap a harvest on this planet like you have never, ever seen before. And so as I began to think about this message and uh, I I decided to change the direction of my message and uh, then I went back up into our office and there's a text waiting for me from none other than Glenn Berteau. And the text read, man in the clouds, crown on his head, sickle in his hand. I thought, whoa, God, you are speaking. You are thundering. You are shouting from heaven that there's a sickle in your hand. It didn't stop there because the next day, Jody said to me, well, I think when Sam was coming downstairs, Zach was already downstairs and he's for no reasons, he just says to his dad and his mom, he says, man in the clouds, crown on his head, sickle in his hand. Amazing, friends. Just incredible confirmation of God speaking to you, but also speaking to me. And that includes your family and your friends. So you've received a blank piece of paper this morning. So while I am speaking, start writing. Write down the name of every unbeliever you know. And if the person next to you think they're probably not saved, write their name down as well, okay? But anyone, now some of you already done it, but you may be able to think of other people that you haven't thought of. Some people, you may not know their name. Just say the shopkeeper at such and such dairy or, or the supermarket or that person who always serves you. Your dentist, your doctor, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. Anybody, get their names down on that piece of paper. We're going to collect them at the end of the sermon today. Because I'm talking about harvest, I'm expecting a lot of people to get really excited as I'm preaching this morning. Otherwise, I'm going to be the only one excited, and that's not going to feel very nice to me. So please help me this morning, okay? And let's get this message through, because I believe God is shouting from heaven. Now, we did this in Christchurch. 
So we did it on the, Glenn did it on the Tuesday morning. People brought their bits of paper and put them on the platform. And the next day we got a phone call. Then it came via an email. I think a woman by the name of Karen. She said, I came to conference on Tuesday morning. I wrote down my husband's name and I've been praying for him for 30 years to be saved. That night, she said, my husband came to the conference unexpectedly and gave his life to Jesus Christ. She said, this is an amazing, amazing miracle. What we've noticed with these forms is God is moving rapidly. It's almost like within days, people are getting saved and the prayers are being answered. There was another (coughs) young girl that uh, someone put her name on the form in the morning at the conference. They put her name down. She wasn't a believer, hadn't been to the Christ conference. Somehow that night she came to the conference and gave her life to Jesus Christ. It was, the place was erupting down there like, God, can you move that fast? Are you that powerful, that supernatural? Come on, church, start to believe for some of your parents, your family, your kids to be saved this week, today, tomorrow, next week. Just begin to expect it and let's see all our family and friends come to Jesus and be gloriously saved by His Holy Spirit. Say it with me, friends. There's a man in the clouds with a... Yeah, start writing. Write down every name that you can think of. Jesus' main focus was lost souls. As Christians, that should be our main focus. Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Is that right? Question, is that your main focus? Think about it. Is it mine? What am I doing? What am I trying to do? Because the devil really doesn't care too much about what else we do. Just leave his captives alone so he can take them to hell where they'll burn in the fire forever. You, you can worship with both hands up and on your knees and weeping. The devil probably doesn't care that much. He's after lost people. God's after lost people. You might say, that's not me. Okay, so you're at zero. Full-on evangelist is at 10. Why don't you move to one? Just go from zero to one. You say, how do I do that? Why don't you just pray daily for one person? Just say, God, I just pray for my supermarket counter person to be saved. Stop, just stop there. Start. Start. Do something. Because as you start, it'll grow. It'll grow and it'll grow. But the problem is we want to go from zero to ten. Either do nothing or, you know, meet someone in an elevator and say, are you born again? No, no. We're not going to do that. Just start. Probably the easiest thing to do is just pray. Or just start to talk about an unsaved person to your family. Just say, oh, you know, do you know that so-and-so is unsaved? Or maybe you can just do this, which is something I do and I do. When you're watching TV and someone's died, just say, gosh, I wonder where they've gone. Heaven or hell? That's sobering, friends. As much as that airline is a tragedy of that, that plane that crashed, that's not the greatest tragedy, friends. The greatest tragedy is where are those 150 people now? Everyone's going to die. You're going to die, friend. <laughs> it's, strike rate is 100% for people dying. No one's avoided it yet apart from Enoch and... One or two others, maybe. Start somewhere. 
Jesus' last act on the cross, what was it? Saving the thief on the cross. His last act. It's the last thing he did. What was his last instructions to the disciples? Last command. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Friends, let's never lose sight of this. See, men through history have had a burning passion for souls. Spurgeon said this, I don't want a church in the veil. He said, give me a mission at the gates of hell. I love that. Something sounds so right about that. C.T. Studd said, some want to live within the sound of church and chapel bell. I'd rather run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. It's good stuff, isn't it? Two billion people, two billion people yet to hear the good news. Others have heard it hundreds of times. Here's my question. Why should anyone hear the gospel twice when two billion have not heard it once? What can you do to help get this message out across the globe? Church Unlimited is dedicated to that call <clears throat> Joel 3, 13 to 14, put in the sickle, the harvest is ripe. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. We talk about the second coming. Two billion have never heard of the first coming. And basically Jesus says, you know, go. And until you go, we say come, he says go. Now we say come, Jesus. No, no, he says go. And he says I'm not coming until you go. Because this gospel has to get all around the world. So what God's doing now is raising up apostolic churches that are totally committed to the task of evangelization. See, over the years, God's restored the pastor to care for the people, great. Restored the teacher to teach the people, fantastic. Restored the evangelist to go reaching out to people, that's great as well. He's restored the prophet to bring the word of the Lord. But now in this day and this hour, God is raising up the apostle. And you see, he's raising up apostles who have a burning zeal for a lost world. And they will lead the church, I'm telling you, to bring in the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. And all across the globe, God is doing that. And Church Unlimited is going to be a part of that. Hell will be plundered and heaven will be populated. It's time to plunder hell. Make your daily cry, one more for Jesus. Even when you get up in the morning, say, God, one more for Jesus, one more for heaven, one more for salvation, one less for the devil, one less for hell, one less for darkness, one more for Jesus. Let's go after them one at a time and bring in this great harvest that Jesus gave his life for. This pastor told a manager of a big department store, he says, I've talked to you about carpets, bedding, appliances many times, but I've never talked to you about my business. Went into a quiet room in the private room out the back and he began to talk to the man about being a Christian, about his salvation and his eternal future. And, uh, and the man begins to cry. And he says, I'm nearly 70 years old. He said, a hundred pastors have come in to me and this into my business and talked to me and over 500 church leaders have come in to my business. And he said, but you, are none, none, not one of them ever talked to me about my eternal soul. He said, you are the only one. You are the first. He wept, knelt down and gave his life to Jesus Christ. We need to start thinking now, praying, believing and declaring miracle harvest. Let's say it together, miracle harvest. Shout it, miracle harvest. As loud as you can, 
miracle harvest. That's what we need, friends, because I believe it's on the heart of God that this church grows significantly on new believers. I'm talking by hundreds and thousands, new believers being born again here at Churchill and becoming a model to this city, to this nation, that the, the lost world can be reached, that churches can grow on new believers, not by ones and twos, but by hundreds, if not thousands. We wanna model that to this nation if, and I believe God will help us to do it. We wanna see 50 saved a Sunday, 100 saved a Sunday, 150 saved a Sunday, 200 saved a Sunday. Can anybody believe with me for this great harvest to come in? If we'll all believe together, I believe we can do something. Tell the person next to you, this is fantastic. <laughs> Even if you don't believe it, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna look at different methods of evangelism very quickly. I wanna find, want you to find yourself. Which one are you? Confrontational. The Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, he was straight, blunt, forceful. He said, you crucified Christ, repent. Be baptized, save yourself from this corrupt generation. It was basically turn or burn, repent or perish. It's the street witnessing, it's the door knocking. You know, is that your style? Is that what you're good at? If you are, go for it. Don't let anyone stop you because some people need that. Glenn Bartow, Bartow, he was unsaved, never been to church. This uh, young evangelist Christian guy comes up to him, first time they ever talked. Are you saved? You know, remember the story? Dan, he said, saved from what? He said, are you born again? <laughs> he had no idea what was going on. He said, I'm a Catholic, American Catholic. He said, I know there's Roman Catholics. I'm an American Catholic. That evangelist was blunt, but that's what got Glenn, Glenn Bartow saved. Some people need the hammer. All right, some people need it straight. Now you be careful who you do that to because that will turn some people off. But if you're led by the Spirit, then there's room for that method. Maybe you're intellectual. Do I need to do that one at West? Yeah, I do actually. Acts 17. <laughs> Just kidding, all right. Keep your shirt on. Keep your shirt on. I'm a Westie. <clears throat> Sometimes, anyway. Acts 17. Paul reasoned with the Greeks and the God-fearing Jews explaining and proving Christ's resurrection. Is that your style? Are you an apologist? So you can explain the gospel. You can convince people about salvation. Or maybe your testimonial, John 9, records the healing of a blind leper. He testified, one thing I know, I was blind and now I see. He gave a simple testimony of a life changed by God. Sharing our testimony is a great way to tell people about Jesus. I use that one. That's, that's one. I'm quite comfortable with that testimony. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're serving evangelist Dorcas in Acts 9.36. She impact, impacted her city with good deeds of kindness, made clothes for the poor, and God's love through her serving drew people to Jesus. Danny Guglamucci is a great example of that. You know, they'll renovate schools and hospitals and, and restaurants, and they just, you know, love on people and be, you know, lead the way and, and, and helping kids with cancer and all that kind of stuff. And his church is, he said, 60% are brand new believers, has grown by 60% are new believers, not just transfers. So it's an effective method when you share the good deeds. But don't just stop at sharing God's love. Move it forward so it results also in salvation if possible. Now, that's not the reason you do it, but don't lose sight of the end product of people being saved. That's what Dorcas did. Is that you? When you do your good works, be praying for salvation all the time. It's not why you do it and not the only reason you do it, but it is part of the reason. Maybe you're relational. Mark 5, a tormented man is delivered. He's so overjoyed. 
He wants to join Jesus, an itinerant evangelist. Jesus says no. He said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. His method of evangelism was to be relational and to share with those close to him. One of our youth is the only saved person in her family. So on Saturday of this conference, she wrote all her family down, came on the altar call, was bawling her eyes out, and Glenn came up to her and said, don't give up on your family. She got a phone call, I think, from her mum the next day who said her brother, who's been a heroin addict for a number of years, or at least a year, has now started to read the Bible and was gonna go to church the next day. Maybe he got saved, I don't know. But, you know, I'm telling you, friends, those names you write down, expect quick results. Expect quick results within days, within days. But you've got to put in some prayer as well, all right? It's just not enough to write the name down. Put in some praying. We'll put in some praying. And let's believe God to see all these people come to Christ. Then number six is the invitational evangelist. The woman at the well got saved. Then she invited people to hear Jesus. I want to read to you from John 4, 28. It says this. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they all responded to him. They went out of the city and came to him. And then in verse 39 says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So all she did was invite. She was an invitational evangelist. And as a result, many people were saved. Remember, there's a man in the clouds with a, and a, say it again, man in the clouds, crown on his head, sickle in his hand. When I was getting impacted by God during those two sermons, he just kept saying, Tark, I've got that sickle. And I was just swinging that sickle. There's a sickle in his hand, there's a sickle. He's wanting to reap the harvest. And best of all is your own family, friends, your kids, your parents, your, your nephews, your nieces, whoever else it might be. Church historian, I want to focus on this one, invite. Church historian Martin Marty says one word defines the difference between churches that grow and churches that don't. One word. Can you guess what that word is? It's a very simple word. The difference, one word defines the difference between churches that grow and those who don't. That word is invite. Growing churches have a strong culture of inviting people to all meetings, whether it's a Sunday service or a small group or youth group or women or men or children, it doesn't matter. They have a strong culture of inviting. And so I wanna really focus on developing that culture in this church this year and make it a huge focus that we become invitational Evangelist. It's probably the easiest of all the six that I've mentioned to you today. I read of one woman who said this. She said, I don't do evangelism very well, but I can bring people to a service that will point them to Christ. My goal is to fill a road. I think it was D.L. Moody who, before he really got going on the road, he would just fill rows of people in his church with unsaved people. He'd just bring them all in from wherever, just fill. He would have goals to fill a row. Maybe your goal shouldn't be to fill a row. What about just fill one seat with an unsaved person? Who could you invite tonight? 
Anyone come to mind? Drag them away from that cricket. <clears throat> Who could you invite? Luke 14, 16 to 18, certain man gave a great supper. Jesus invited many. Sent a servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things and are ready. This may happen to you. But they with all one accord began to make excuses. Probably gonna happen. The first said to him, I've brought a piece of ground, must go and see it, etc." they go on. Then the master said to his servant, go out into the highways, hedges, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. So Jesus urges us to invite people to his house. He urges us because he's passionate about a lost world. Invite them to church. Research tells us that 85% of church attenders never invite anyone to church. I think we're better than that here. But what they do is they fear rejection. They feel, it, they, they feel inadequate. But one person became great at inviting he couldn't, was hopeless that it became really great when he read these words. It's going to come up on the slide. I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Why don't we read that together? I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Let's go again. I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. One more time. I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Man, how simple is that? To just And he was so inspired by that, he just went out and began to do it. A man had been seeking God for, or seeking and searching for 10 years, wondered about Christianity, wondered about Western, Eastern religion. He didn't know any, how to find an answer. One day he's out running with one of his, uh, someone in his neighborhood and that, that neighbor invites him to go to church and he goes along to church and he gets saved. And he says, his testimony was this, I don't know where I'd be today if that man had not invited me. He was waited 10 years for someone to invite him to church. Friends, there are people out there you know who've been waiting years for you or someone else to invite them to church. You just don't know who is going to respond. I've been inviting my hairdresser virtually every time I go. I say, you gotta go, come to my church. I said, I've saved a seat for you. It's got your name on it. Name is Sharon. I said, come on, come to church. I said, oh, I'm a bit more Buddhist and this, that, and the other. I said, that's all right. Come to my church, it'll change your life. I've asked about 10 times. The last time I got my hair cut, she said, when's your Easter service? She says, I'll be coming. I said, I'll make sure you get a text from me just beforehand to tell you exactly when it is. Last Sunday, I rang up one of my, was a Sunday, Sunday before, I rang up one of my brothers when, when Glenn was gonna preach that night. I thought, boy, this would be good for him. And I rang, rang him up to come along to the service. Just get out there and start inviting people. The thing is, what you gotta do, friends, is get over the barrier. Okay, the first few people out, they're gonna say, no. Look, they're not gonna bash you up. Ring them on the phone, it's safe. All right. They can yell and scream at you, it doesn't matter, just put the phone down. They probably won't do that. Okay, so just ring, you know. You're not, how many of you got brave enough to ring someone on the phone? Yeah, no hands have gone up, okay. Right. We have got a problem then, I'm not sure. What, I'll just preach on anyway. All right, so David Mohan, remember him from India? Man, Indians are good. I mean, sorry. Uh, <laughs> So his church on just one side, it's a big church, all right, 40,000 people. So it's a big church, a little bit bigger than us, a couple, couple more than we have. But uh, he said one Sunday, one Sunday, 
900 unbelievers in his church. Because he says to them, bring an unbeliever or don't bother coming. I'm not going to say that. I will not say that. <laughs> not until we're having six Sundays services on the Sunday and we're having to use the overflow. Then I might start to say that. Well, I'm going to say it right now. But he's developed this incredible culture. He said, you've found the greatest treasure or bring someone else along so they can find that treasure as well. Let's start to pray every day for an opportunity to invite someone. I'm not asking you to go and evangelize. I'm just saying invite, invite. Is any name coming to you as I speak? Are you hearing something? Whose names came to you? I guarantee you heard something. I guarantee it because God so loves the world. You will have heard somebody. You see, once you get over the barrier of a few rejections, it won't matter. You, go, you push past that barrier and then you just feel free to invite all the time. That's how people really get going in the sky. It's almost like you've got to pass that fear barrier. Get over it. Once you're over it, you're away, flying. And then you'll be excited about inviting people. And keep inviting the same people unless they get really rude and maybe leave them alone. Zig Ziglar said uh, he invited a friend to go to church with him. And the man said, uh, well, I'd like to go. But the church is so full of hypocrites. Zig Ziglar said, that's okay. There's always room for one more. <laughs> so be creative in your inviting. Be creative. So arrange for a lunch after the service. Tell them it's your 20th wedding anniversary or your tell them you're hoping to get married one day. Anything. <laughs> and say, look, come to lunch and afterwards we're gonna come for church and afterwards we're gonna go to lunch. Or maybe invite them for a coffee or or, or something. And just just be trying to be really creative. Or maybe there's a very specific sort of like tonight perfect servant to invite people because you're going to hear of people's lives that have been impacted by this conference and people want their lives impacted. It'll be, there'll be items, there'll be music, it'll be fantastic, uh, uh, fantastic environment for unsaved people to come and hopefully to find Jesus. Are you still writing those names down because I'm just about done? Invite them to baby dedication is a great thing. Water baptism are great places to invite people to come along, especially if they're related in some way. Watch for a special service that may have appeal to the kind of person you're waiting for, but don't just wait for one or two services. Yeah, invite every week. So my challenge to you and to me is, will you invite someone every week? One person. Every week. Okay, so you might slip up one week. It's every second week. But why don't you think about that? As a challenge, every week, you're going to invite someone to church. They may just get saved. Then their family may get saved. And their relatives may get saved. And that one may end up saving 100 people. It may be your greatest ministry you've ever had in your life. And it may just be. Some of you here who have got a bit more courage, why don't you start to lead the way? See, a lot of people probably won't buy into this. They're just too shy, and I'm not condemning anyone. You're too shy. You're just not quite ready for it. But some of you are. There's probably hundreds here. Or you're ready for this. Why don't you lead the way and then start telling people, gosh, I invited seven people last week. I invited three people. Hey, no one came. Look, I invited another. Hey, they came. After a month, someone came. You start gossiping this, and then we'll get a culture going. And if you've invited someone, let us know. Just let us know. Somehow let us know. And you know, I might be able to say next week, we, we heard from 150 people that they invited someone to church. How many came? Well, we don't know how many came. Maybe none came. Maybe five came. But why don't we try and create this? Would you help us to do that? 
Because I think it's worth doing, friends. I really do think it is worth doing. As I wrap it up, Matthew 13, 39 says, the harvest is the end of the age. That's where we're at now. Let me read part of a prophetic word I read. Between now and the end of the age, more people will come to know Jesus than from Pentecost until this time. Before the end, every village, every nation will have the gospel preached. The many cities and some entire nations will turn to Christ and be converted. This harvest will exceed every previous outpouring of the Spirit. Multitude, the magnitude of it will astonish everybody. It's gonna be so big, so bad. Say it with me. There's a man in the clouds, crown on his head. There's a sickle in his, are you starting to get it? There's a sickle in his hand. That sickle's going after your family, after your parents, after your kids, after your relatives, your in-laws. That's, that's who it's, it's going after them. That sickle's about to slice through and bring them to salvation. How many of you have a family member or relative unsaved? Raised your hand. Ooh. If that's you, stand, just stand, just stand, quickly, quickly. You've got an unsaved relative. Church, just, just have a look. Just have a look around. That is almost 90% of this church has got a relative unsaved. You can sit, be seated. We, we need the sickle to start moving pretty rapidly, don't we? Really start need to move rapidly. Um, cities will experience periods of zero crime as their populations come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Drunkenness, prostitution, drugs, abortion, and drunkenness will cease in many areas. There'll be miracles that will exceed some of the most spectacular biblical miracles that will cause whole nations to acknowledge Jesus. As the musicians, please join me. Jesus said the harvest is the end of the age. If ever there was a time to go after the harvest, the time is now. As a church, let's pray and give ourselves to reaching a lost world like never before because there's a Man in the clouds with a crown on his head and a sickle in his hand. Stand with me, please, one more time. There's a man in the clouds with a crown on his head and a sickle in his hand. Last time, there's a man in the clouds with a crown on his head and a sickle in his hand. Will you get your forms and pass them to the aisles and ushers? Would you please come and collect them now? And uh, don't forget our service tonight. Who can you invite tonight? We're gonna start to pray for these forms. We'll pray for them on Thursday night. Please join us for the Thursday night prayer meeting. And we're gonna start to sing Commission My Soul. Pass all those forms to the aisles. Get them out quickly because they're being collected now. You don't, honestly, you don't wanna miss this because a lot of those people on these forms are going to get saved, all right? They're gonna be saved in the coming weeks, the coming months. So make sure every form is collected. We need, uh, I think we need some more ushers, do we? There's still people handing these forms in. So if you've got a form, just keep your hand up, all right? And someone will come and get it off you. We're gonna sing Commission My Soul. I'm heading off into the city to give them this message, but I'm so looking forward to tonight and what God is gonna do and how my life personally was impacted. Thank you so much for coming, not letting the rain stop you. You are an unbelievable church. I know I keep stirring you to move on. You know, a lady in conference at, uh, in Christchurch, one of the senior pastor's wives came up to me afterwards and she said, Tark, these are world-class preachers that you've got us, but I want you to know you are the one that stirs us to more in God and to go further in Him. Thank you for challenging us and continuing to do so. God bless you. Love you all. See you tonight. <laughs>